0: The UFO lore surrounding the city of Roswell is famous throughout the world, but other places have been epicenters of mysterious sightings too. In today's episode, we'll share two stories of towns that experienced alien invasions.
1: Okay, cool. So you ready to start the show?
0: Ready to start the show. Let's do it. Welcome to Shadowland, everybody. Uh, This is a podcast that shines a spotlight on stories of the supernatural, mysterious, eerie, and unexplained. So basically weird stuff like ghosts. Auras. Cryptids.
1: Time travel. Black holes. uh, Remote seeing. (laughs) Other dimensions. Stargates.
0: Elves. (laughs) Elves. elves (laughs)
1: i'm gonna do a show on elves
0: nessie synchronicity
1: astral projection wendigos yeah wendigos are good so you get the general idea yes
0: Yes. all all the all the good weird stuff
1: cool so um do you want to talk about do you want to um do some introductions and um tell everybody who we are and why we're here
0: Yeah, sure. So my name is Christina Callery. And about as far back as I can remember, I've always been interested in stories of the paranormal, mysterious, and strange. Um, I loved ghost stories, uh, mysteries. Uh, I'm a writer, so I would even write my own stories in a notebook when I was a little kid. Um, I'd check all of the ghost books out of the school library that I could find. Um, I read books about the Bermuda Triangle, and um, I always loved hearing stories from friends. Uh, I was also raised in, my mom was pretty religious, so I was raised around talk of the supernatural, and I think that definitely contributed to my interest in all of this stuff.
1: Cool. Uh, and I'm Seth Jablon. Uh, I'm also very interested in this stuff, just like Christina. And, you know, I grew up. Um, you know, always loving like the the time life, the time life books, Mysteries of the Unknown. Oh, those are great. Yeah, yeah you know, the Bigfoot and, uh, you know, the Bermuda Triangle and like, you know, just all that weird stuff um, just really captured my imagination. It just, it made me, you know, imagine of a, a more mysterious world that I, you know, that I learned in school, you know, where everything's sort of dry and flat and one dimensional. And it just, it really captured my imagination that there was more to the more to this world than we talked about more to this world than we knew about um and so I just always love stories um around that you know with um cryptids and aliens in particular I definitely read a lot of like you know Whitley Stryber or Strieber, I guess his name is um Communion you know and Eric Von Daniken and all all that like, ancient <laughs> alien stuff I just thought it was so cool and you know um it really like opened my mind up as like a, a young, a youngster. And so I've never lost that passion for talking about these things. And, and I think that's one of the reasons we, you know, we both wanted to start this, this podcast is because we love talking about this stuff with each other. Um, anytime we hang out and, you know, have a glass of wine or something uh, you know, at some point we're going to start trading stories. And Right. And it much always comes back to, yeah. yeah, it always <laughs>
0: comes back to, to like, Mothman stories and yes, their ghost, death experiences. And, yes. Yeah.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: And and you and I are both Gen Xers. Yep. Let's and so we grew up in like what the seventies and eighties. And um, I just have to ask you, you mentioned the Time Life series. Yes. Do you remember those? I think they were I wanna call them like index cards, but it was like yeah. you could order some series of these cards that had all of these mysterious sort of stories on them or information about
1: No, I never heard I never heard of those. That that okay, sounds really cool. Now up. I want one. I'm going to have to
0: look that up. I'm yeah. going to have to look that up. I'm having a flashback.
1: I don't think I even ever had like maybe I got a I think I got a like my hands on maybe the Bigfoot one and maybe another one about the pyramids or something but I I, I never really had the like full set. I, I don't even know how I got my hands on it. I think I would like beg my mom to like you know, buy it, and she never would do it, but somehow maybe at a doctor's office or something or I came across a copy of it. But um, yeah, I'd love to see those things again. They were so, they were so well done. And I feel like I, there was just some article recently about the, I guess there's a very strange story about how it sort of that whole thing came about at time life. Cause it's an odd topic, I think for them to even cover. And so maybe we'll even do an episode about that.
0: Yeah. I would love to. That'd yeah. be awesome. And also, one thing both of us really want is to hear your stories. Yes. Uh, We love hearing actual true stories from real people. Um, A lot of these things that we're going to talk about on the show have been covered before by other podcasts. But it's really amazing when you can hear a firsthand account from somebody who maybe even hasn't shared it with anyone before
1: yeah totally and as we talk about the you know these topics you know we're not necessarily trying to like you know catalog all the great stories that are already out there, but this is this is about a discussion for us this is about you know talking about you know how we see this phenomenon you know what we think is going on, and it's really about you know getting into the subject and not necessarily trying to prove anything or draw any conclusions but but there's something about discussing it. And, um, you know, talking about it with each other and sharing that, uh, you know, helps us see see into it further and what we sort of get out of it as human beings. And so.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I um, you know, as much as I'm fascinated by all of this, I still have a strong skeptical streak. And so.
1: Yes, you're going to play the skeptic. I love... I'm going to be the guy who believes everything.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We've got our roles to find.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but you know, basically finding evidence and delving into things further and really trying, I mean, that, I think that'll be, you know, just kind of like helpful. I, I mean, totally. I hate to use the word journey, but yeah, it kind of It'll is a, a journey, journey right? Yeah. Yes, Figuring out what, what you believe and um, kind of looking into things and keeping an open mind the whole time.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So I'm going to go first um, and maybe we should talk a little bit about the theme today because today's theme is
1: yeah i mean it's it's towns i mean we we wanted to talk about aliens and we wanted something that was like you know centric to places that that people live like we're in different towns and you know we talk about how you know a lot of stories happen to people you know a lot of abduction stories and alien encounters but they also happen to places you know and really throughout history i mean there's you know all sorts of lore that surround you know places peoples at a certain time and so you know, some of these, uh, you know, alien events, they happen to, you know, specifically to towns at, at different times. And, and so we just thought that would be a cool place to start for us.
0: Absolutely. And it's kind of the granddaddy of all of the weird stories out there. I mean, aliens, how can we not start with that?
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So my story, actually, before I get into it, I just wanted to share a little side story with you, Seth. Okay. Uh, Somebody sent me uh, something from the New York Post and the headline is the Pentagon finally admits it investigates UFOs. I'm just going to read the first blurb, but in a statement provided exclusively to the Post, a Department of Defense spokesman said a secret government initiative called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, quote, did pursue research and investigation into unidentified aerial phenomena.
1: Wow, that's pretty crazy. That's huge that they were that they would finally acknowledge it. Even even just acknowledging that they're investigating it, right, is something, right, right, because it means that there is a there's something to investigate.
0: Exactly. I mean, this is the New York Post, but but still.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, also, but also recently, I, I definitely feel like I've read some stories from the Air Force where they're where they're finally acknowledged, like. Oh, yeah, there's definitely, we definitely see UFOs on the regular, like the, you know, uh, pilots and and people who track sort of foreign objects and stuff. I think they even re- released some, like, video of of them, like, describing what they were seeing and sort of, like, tripping out <laughs> over, like, how crazy it was. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, so. Awesome.
0: You'll have to send me those. You got to check it out. I will. Uh, okay, so my story is the Michigan UFO invasion of 1966. Cool. And... This one has, it's, it's kind of like, it's an origin story of a UFO cliche that we've all heard. I'm not gonna give it away yet. You'll have to listen to to find out. Um, but it takes place around, kind of centered around Ann Arbor, Michigan and it's spread out from there. So in March of 1966, dozens of UFO sightings were reported by Southeast Michigan residents over the course of a few days. And this is just sort of like the very beginnings on that day. It was, it started with kind of a foreshock in the early morning of March 14th, 1966, Washtenaw County Sheriff's deputies saw strange lights in the sky, moving at fantastic speeds. The lights were also spotted by officers 40 miles away in Ohio and at the Selfridge Air Force Base, which was 50 miles east. So this is just the beginning stages a few days later, on March 20th, things really got crazy. So earlier in the evening, the Washtenaw County Sheriff's Office received reports of an unidentified flying object that actually landed in a wooded, swampy area in Dexter Township, which is just outside Ann Arbor. And it's a pretty rural area today, and it was had to be even more so back then. Um, so deputies dispatched to the scene took a statement from this truck driver and his name was Frank Manor, and he was renting a farmhouse nearby, and he said that he was on his porch and he went out there and he was trying to calm his dogs down because they were barking like crazy. And all of a sudden he sees this bright object shaped like a football and about the size of a small car. And it's hovering over the swamp. And so he and his son Ron then went into the swamp to investigate it. I'm not sure I would be brave enough to do that. I don't know if you would, Sal.
1: I don't know. I mean I'd like to think I'd like give it a try, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah. Think... Why not? Yeah. I mean yeah. it
1: probably is pretty terrifying. Though, once but, in a yeah. Once in a lifetime. Okay.
0: Yeah. But... So anyway, here's his quote. He says, We got to about five hundred yards of the thing. It was sort of shaped like a pyramid with a blue-green light on the right-hand side, and on the left, a white light. I didn't see an antenna or portal. The body was like a yellowish coral rock and looked like it had holes in it, sort of like if you took a piece of cardboard box and split it open. So it must have been perforated or something. You couldn't see it too good because it was surrounded with heat waves like you see on the desert. The white light turned a blood red as we got close to it, and Ron said... Look at that horrible thing, which I find that's a really interesting quote to me. Because
1: yeah, I mean, it sounds cool looking, but you know, based on what it time, does sound just, cool, yeah. and it
0: also, but he's he perceived it to be sort of ominous and, yeah, right, and like a threat right, right. right away. Um. So it apparently hovered over the swamp for about four hours, and he wasn't the only one who saw this. There were dozens of other locals, including police officers, who witnessed it before it flew away. So that's the night of the 20th. And then the next night, more than 80 students at Hillsdale College saw floating lights in a nearby swamp. And there were, like all told, up to 100 witnesses in the Ann Arbor area, including including Dexter. And the reports actually spread out from there. And so they started getting reports from other areas Um, And that even went into Sylvania, Ohio. So it spanned three counties.
1: Wow. That's that's pretty. And two states. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So then, okay, the government, you know, there's all these reports. Government has to do something about it. So the Air Force brings in their expert and it is a guy named J. Allen Hynek to investigate. And at this point, there's a state of near hysteria. Um, That's how he described it. And I just want to stop here. I actually emailed you a couple of pics of him so you can get a good mental picture Okay. of, of Heineck. Um, so he was actually like a legit astronomer and professor. He was a real scientist, and he'd been recruited to act as a scientific advisor to UFO studies being done by the Air Force. And this went on from about 1947 to 1969. And these projects were Project Sign. Project Grudgeon and then the famous one that everybody's probably heard of, Project Blue Book. And what is cool or and you know interesting about him is that he started out as a skeptic. so he didn't really buy any of it. He's brought in to be this advisor. But then later, after he's reviewed hundreds of these cases over the years, he actually became a believer. And there was a turnaround in his opinions after after um, Project Blue Book ended, he actually would finally make public statements about taking the UFO question more seriously.
1: Huh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and, and actually, like, he was the guy who created the Close Encounter Classification System.
1: Oh, right, right, right. Okay, okay, I know you're talking about that. Yes.
0: So in the movie, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he actually has a cameo because he's kind of this UFO rock
1: star. Right, that's <laughs> so crazy. That this. So, yeah, that, that this classification system is obviously part of that movie and, and now obviously pop culture that yeah. he was the one who sort of created that system. Like right. yeah. It's like And take... he also
0: create yeah. yeah he ahead. also created something else, which you'll see like later on in the story. Um but um he presented a statement on UFOs before the United Nations General Assembly like later on in nineteen seventy eight. So this he was he was like Mr. UFO. But back in nineteen sixty six, um, he comes in And he does his very best to investigate during this crazy media circus that's happening. There are reporters. There are people hanging around in the Dexter Swamp trying to contact the aliens. You know, there was one thing I read about some guy like using his car headlights to try to do Morse code. I like that guy. (laughs) Music playing. Like, (laughs) you know, I like him too. Um, So reporters are mobbing the witnesses. And this, this serious like government official scientist Heineck guy has to compete with them. And he's under pressure to figure this all out fast, too. You know?
1: Yeah. It's like, what's going on here? Right. They want a quick answer to something that's, like, obviously pretty disturbing, especially at that time.
0: Exactly. So, on March 25th, which is only, like, five days later, he holds a press conference in Detroit, and over 60 reporters from every major news outlet are there. And, um... His explanations, though, are kind of a letdown. They're, they're, they're sort of boring. You know, he's like bringing up, oh, you know, maybe it was like the moon or the stars. And then here's where the famous um, phrase comes from. Um, in the Dexter area, he said that the lights may have been caused from swamp gas from the local marshes. Right. And that's where we get the whole uh, it was swamp gas thing from. That's
1: crazy. Yeah, it's so funny. It's like the more, like... You know, the more out there the event, the, the harder it is for us to like integrate it into our worldview. The more ridiculous I, I feel like the the explanations become. You know, like this whole town is seen. You know, including police officers have seen these things flying around. It's like I don't know what it is. Uh, I guess like swamp gas, something. You know. <laughs> like, and I mean,
0: how often do people see swamp gas anyway? I how mean, do is you this a thing? Uh, is, it is it really a, a thing, thing
1: to see? I don't know. Yeah, I,
0: I don't know either. <laughs> We should look into that. <laughs> yeah. It could be a swamp gas episode. Yeah. But like reporters thought it was ridiculous and they latched onto the swamp gas thing and it became really blown out of proportion kind of a joke. Um, you know, that the, this is the excuse they're giving. Yeah. Or the explanation. But he really wasn't claiming that the swamp gas was the whole answer. Um, he didn't have a whole lot of time. You know, he was really hindered by the media chaos that was going on. And, you know, I mean, he did his best and he just said it could be in Dexter, for example. Maybe these lights were caused by this natural phenomenon. But it, you know, it didn't really answer people's questions. And what is interesting is that local authorities didn't dismiss the witnesses' accounts And they kind of pressed on. And the Washtenaw County Sheriff, his name was Douglas Harvey, actually asked for a top level investigation and challenged the Air Force's conclusions about the swamp gas. Interesting. And there was also this uh, police beat reporter named Bill Tremel, who really went after the story with gusto. And he interviewed lots of witnesses, coverage of the police operations. He totally went in there and was investigating You know what the government officials were saying and their explanations and he was really trying to get at the heart of it and uh, it was never solved and to this day you know nobody really has a good explanation for this but several decades later uh, there was new evidence that came out in an interview by Douglas Harvey the sheriff um, and it was given to the Ann Arbor News and he said that when he and Dr. Hynek were talking in the sheriff's office back then in 1966, and Dr. Hynek actually admitted to him that he didn't know what the witnesses had seen, but he felt like it was worth further investigation. And then he leaves the room, goes to make a call to Washington, and when he comes back, he announces the sightings were due to swamp gas. So,
1: wow.
0: somewhere in that time frame, he completely switched gears and changed his story
1: after that phone call. Like obviously there was some after the phone call or something. Yeah. Someone yeah. Told yeah. Him to say something or not say something or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Must be. So, I mean, here's his quote. He says, he tells me one minute, he has no idea what it is. Then he makes one phone call to Washington and comes out and gives a statement that it's swamp gas. Very strange. And over fifty years later, still unsolved, and that is the story of the Michigan UFO invasion of 1966.
1: Wow, that's really cool. Like, yeah, I feel like you take for granted, you know, some of these um, sayings that we have, you know, like flying saucers and stuff like that, and they all have an origin somewhere. Right. Somebody said it at some point, or you know, and you know, it's yeah, it's interesting.
0: And and it's funny that it actually was that phrase. It was kind of viewed skeptically at the time, too.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, my story actually has something sort of like that, and I don't know if it's a origin story, but it's definitely a classic. Um, cool. Yeah. So um, maybe I don't know if you're ready for me. Maybe I'll, I'll jump I'm right into that.
0: Totally ready.
1: <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. So this um, this is the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter. Or Ooh. the 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 Kelly Kelly Kentucky goblins? Have you heard of this at all? Oh my
0: God, no! But
1: okay, I well this it. is goblins. A, we didn't even we yeah we didn't, we we didn't about yeah goblins. goblins isn't even on our list. But uh, yeah, so this this one I guess it probably is an origin story. I don't know that for sure, but we'll we'll definitely get to to how and why that that might be an origin story too. But um, yeah, Kelly uh, Kelly Kentucky is home to um, one of the most well recorded i guess um documented encounters uh that happened to a very particular family on a very particular night um and it it all started in on august 21st uh, 1955 so um this is all sort of like later this is all sort of recorded and recounted um but it basically all starts with them sort of bursting into a a police station (laughs) and telling them this like crazy story and basically it all begins at um at 7 p.m. Um, on a, on a farmhouse where there's several adults, several children living, um, and it starts with uh, Billy Ray Taylor uh, has gone down to the well to get some water, and he quickly comes running back to the, ho- the house, talking about seeing this, you know, what he called a flying saucer. or I think at one point a flying tub uh, that has flying sort of, tub, yeah, that sort <laughs> of landed in the backyard. I mean, these are you know, this is a farm, so it's like. It's sort of down this hill and sort of pretty far away from him. But um, he said he saw this silvery object that was really bright and it had an exhaust of all the colors of the rainbow, which I really liked. I thought that was Ooh. such a cool image. But
0: his UFO, his UFO is kind of cooler sounding than
1: mine <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally. It doesn't sound horrible, but a tub, a tub that flies through the sky and leaves a rainbow. A rainbow tub. So that's where it started. And so at some point a little later in the evening, around eight, um, they actually see uh, this sort of like weird sort of co- glowing color coming across the this field in front of their house and um, sort of comes into focus what they describe as a little shiny green man is approaching the house.
0: A shiny green man?
1: Yes. Shiny green. Um and uh, they describe, he describes him as three foot tall with um, huge eyes like saucers that are far apart uh, uh, set in his head. Um, and they glowed with a yellowish light. And his whole body sort of glowed all over. That's what he's saying. It's like kind of shiny and green. Um, it's described as having these huge hands with long fingers with like talons at the end. And the arms that extended almost down to the ground. Um, very long and thin Um which, which, as, yeah, isn't that crazy? Which as he sort of got closer, he raised up over his head like he was being robbed or something. Like, don't shoot, almost. <laughs> you know, like, just sort of walking across along, along the the yard with his arms raised and he had these little tiny little legs, um, which they also described as not having any knees so it's just kind of like walking with these stiff little legs and these arms up and it's not saying a word and i don't i think throughout the entire counter encounter i don't think they they speak at all um so yeah so things starts walking towards them across the yard obviously they're freaking out uh it's 1955 kentucky and so like any good kentuckian immediately goes for the gun (laughs) (laughs) grabs a shotgun or i think it's a shotgun and um you know shoots it off as a warning and I think that kind of makes it a little skittish. It's not, re- they're not, they don't really ever seem that plussed about anything that's happening. Um, but I think it does sort of leave. Um, but then very shortly just comes right back. Um, and I think as it's coming back, he takes a shot at it and knocks it down. And
0: well, the way they
1: described how it affects them is it, it didn't seem to affect me, but it, it did knock him over. But it, he said they flipped in the air, almost like flipped you know, head over, you know, feet overhead uh, backwards and then got back up and started walking.
0: Some kind of like gymnastic.
1: But weirder. Like, like. He, there's other dis, um, times where he said uh, they shot one, say out of a tree, for instance, and it f- like floated down to the ground. Oh. So instead of like falling, these things don't like fall, they sort of float, which is very weird. Like just trying to picture that in your mind. Well,
0: I mean, n- there's nothing about this.
1: That isn't weird. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. So far, it's like yeah, it's pretty bizarre. Just like the descriptions of everything. Um, but yeah, just like I mean, you can imagine, and, and so they, they keep shooting at these things, and it, like I said, it knocks them down. It they flip over. Sometimes they run away back into the darkness, um, and then and then just simply come back a little bit later. But the, it's it's definitely not the gunshots. Definitely aren't deterring them. And so they, they leave and then they come back, they keep popping up sort of in the window, like looking into their house. And, you know, they later say like, you know, nothing about them actually seemed like they were being very aggressive, except for the fact that they were little green creatures poking their heads into their house, which you just, you know. Nobody's right. gonna like that, especially out in some, you know, uh, a country farm in Kentucky in 1955. They're not. They're not gonna stand for it. So,
0: and they were really drawn to this house.
1: Yeah, apparently, I guess their behavior was described as intensely curious. So, um, and I think as each time they pop back up, they shoot him and they sort of run away. And I think at one point they stop shooting because they realize it's not really having any effect on them.
0: They've got some kind of protection.
1: Some sort of protection or something. something about them. Yeah, something about them, uh, uh, you know. It, it, I think they described as some of the um, the gunshots hitting their clothing. That, I think they said they had some, like, shiny suits on that made, like, metal sounds. So I don't know if there was, like, even penetrating them or maybe they had some sort of, like, weird protective suit on. You know, who knows? Um, but they also notice at some point that um, every time they reappear, they reappear from some dark spot in the yard. And every time they turn on a light, they don't really like to go into the lights. It's something about the lights uh, sort of deter them. So later when when the cops come and, and are searching for these things, uh, I think one of them says, you know, well, of course you didn't find any. Uh, th- you can't see them in the light. You can only see them in the dark that they kind of like glow you know, with this inner illumination
0: I feel like that's just not a good sign yeah
1: <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah glowing don't like the lights
0: don't like the light
1: yeah mm. but again not non-aggressive you know just seem to be super super curious so mm-hmm. um, so I think at that point they finally leave them alone and I think now they decide to go to the the police station and you know tell the cops about it. Cops obviously don't really believe them. You know, they think it's maybe a hoax. I think some of their family members, other family members show up at some point and like, oh, this is somebody's playing a trick or, or something like that. Um, and so I think the cops come back and maybe look a little bit, but then, but then leave. And so um, the next encounter is at 2.30 a.m. that Monday morning. So they come back once again, you know, i think one pops up in the window and they 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 shoot a hole through the screen um you know at it um and i think again they they sort of keep coming, don't seem very deterred, but eventually do then go. and so this thing has been an all-night ordeal for these people and i think eventually they're just like we're, we're fucking out of here. so you know i think they like back up the stuff <laughs> and go, but um this was heavily investigated. like i said, um, you know for at least a while this was or may still be one of the most well documented encounters because you know people came investigators came afterwards um the police came um I think the air Force under project Blue Book um you mentioned project Blue book uh, came and they weren't they weren't able to prove anything but they also um found no sa- signs of a hoax wow. um yeah and I think w- one of the funny things I read in one of the newspapers was, you know, they said no one, no one was drinking. You know, <laughs> I thought that was just such a funny, like, you know, like yeah, I yeah I go ahead.
0: find myself wishing I could be a fly on the wall and just like see that go down when they try to report this.
1: Yes, but just like the 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 supposition that you know getting drunk is going to make you have a sustained eight hour collective hallucination of the same, <laughs> very same Of little creature. green
0: glowing goblin guys.
1: Yes. And so what's also interesting is they separately, during the the, the sort of post-investigation, they go through and um, they talk to each individual family member that saw them and, and w- work with a sketch artist to d- draw what they saw. And when you look at the sketches, they look almost exactly the same. So, like, if this was some sort of hallucination, it's just like – you know, it's it's fairly far fetched that they were just sort of seeing something uh, that they were mistaken about. And for, for instance, I think now one of the, some you know current UFOologists put forward a theory of of saying that it was owls, which <laughs> owls, <laughs> owls, <laughs> which is so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I mean, well, first of all. I mean, this is a a family living in the country in Kentucky. They fucking know what owls look like. They know what
0: owls look like, for sure.
1: You know, but then also that you wouldn't, anybody would mistake, you know, a feathered, you know, bird uh, uh, for a little green man is also ridiculous. And I just, I just, walks
0: with his arms straight up in the air. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And they were like, oh, it's probably an owl because it floated. I'm like, that's, that's the best, that's the best you've got. And I mean, I just feel like owls are out there just like, taking all kinds of flack for like bullshit that people can't process.
0: Right. You know, like like, the Mothman,
1: right? Like the Mothman for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was actually in the TNT area, you know, an owl actually did fly over our car. You know what? It didn't look like a six foot tall, uh, reptilian creature with glowing red eyes. <laughs> you know, and,
0: or a little green guy. Or a little like. green
1: guy. Yeah, I just feel like these owls are out there just, like, minding their own business and weren't blaming things like murders on them, like, you know, like the staircase murders where, you know, right. couldn't possibly just be some narcissistic sociopath that got angry no, and no. drunk and killed his wife. No, yeah. it's a fucking owl flew down.
0: Owls can't catch a break these days.
1: I know, mean, I feel like any minute they're, some, like,
0: documentary
1: is going to come out, you know, like... Guess what? We figured it out. Like JFK was shot actually by an owl. It flew up to the book depository and <laughs> took a shot, and then flew away. You know. <laughs> so, but I just thought that was like of, of all explanations, it's kind of like your swamp gas, you know, right. explanation. It's it's, it's exactly. ridiculous to suggest it, and try telling these people. You know, it, I feel like no matter what the sort of zeitgeist of the age is, whatever you know the intelligentsia say, whatever they put. You know, forward in the newspaper or textbooks or whatever, people still have these experiences no matter what. No matter what anyone says, people have these experiences. And then there's always these people that come afterwards and, you know, want to tell you what you saw. But to these people, they know what they saw. They saw little green men come flying down <laughs> in a saucer and they had a sustained encounter with them like all night long. And so I don't know if it's it's the origin of you know little green men from outer space, but I have a feeling it, I have a feeling it is or at least is one of the larger examples of it, certainly one that you know became very famous at the time
0: oh okay,
1: so that's not a definitive one I'm you know definitely not doing serious fact checking on, on this stuff but but uh I have a feeling that that's it's certainly one of the biggest ones that the you know that where you know these aliens are sort of described as as little green men you know very often green. Yes. you know. Gray, or you know, other colors, or whatever, but um, yeah, so that is the um, close encounter at Kelly. Um, yeah,
0: fascinating. I've never heard that before. So, do they have any conclusions, or what are like some of the theories out there about what this could have been?
1: Well, that's pretty much it. Like, it's it's owls. Um, I think they said they they thought <laughs> they saw. Um, phosphorescent moss growing on a on a um, fence, mm-hmm. It's just you know, just stuff like that. It's not really. I and
0: kinda, I, yeah, I kind of feel like it's one of those times when it's either crazy or making shit up, or it happened. You know,
1: right, right, yeah. I mean, there's no yeah, there's no middle road of, of like, well, what 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 is this that they they clearly experience something. And so because we can't deal with the idea that, you know, the face value of what they saw, it's completely rejected. Instead of saying, "Okay, look, you know, just acknowledging that this happened to these people isn't, you know, admitting or acknowledging or proving that there's alien life. Certainly it's a far cry from that. But the in between could be at least, you know, acknowledging that they had this experience and that we can't explain it and that we may not have uh, an explanation for it that's like, you know, fits into our current scientific view of, you know, this planet and this universe. Cool. So, um, yeah, so well, that was cool. the Kelly Hopskinsville encounter, a.k.a. the Kelly goblins.
0: I love that they're called goblins.
1: Yeah. I okay, feel no, like we should yeah. bring
0: goblins back. Oh, gremlins.
1: Or? I think there were also Kelly gremlins.
0: Oh, gremlins. Yeah. But yeah,
1: there's actually, there's actually, I got a lot of this from... um you know, from newspapers, but there's also a, um, a book or a report uh, created by um, Isabel Davis and David Butcher's name, Blo- Blocher, and it's called Close Encounter at Kelly. Um, and uh, it's it's extremely detailed. You know, like I said, they, they literally, they go through the whole story, they recount, they interview, they talk to the cops. <laughs> you know, it's an extensive study. They draw diagrams and stuff of what happened there. So there's definitely more there's definitely more to get, to get into there if, if anyone is interested.:
0: Cool, I'm interested.
1: Cool. I'll check it out. Yeah. All right, so um, yeah, so I guess that's, I guess that's our first episode. I mean, you want to talk about
0: podcast. N- new,
1: new stories, stories that we want to hear from people, stuff we're going to do in the future?
0: Yeah. so I think we gave you a little bit of an idea of what we're going to do in the future, which is a lot of stuff in the up, up front, but um, next time we're going to do near death experiences. And um, I I think for this time, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would love to hear alien stories or UFO stories.
1: Yeah, definitely. Obviously we can't put them in this episode, but you know, we'll, we'll definitely, I mean, this won't be the last time we do an alien uh, themed uh, episode. And so, you know, send us your stories about aliens. We'll try to um, also announce upcoming uh, um you know podcasts, upcoming themes that we'll definitely get store you know stories for and you know if we if we get them we'll read them uh you know we'll read them as a part of the podcast as a part of that episode so do we we have an email address for that right
0: yes we do it's shadowland at gmail.com great so send your stories
1: yeah send us your stories and um yeah i guess we'll we'll talk soon
0: yes talk soon
1: okay bye
0: bye <laughs> Thank you.